the book of Matthew 5.45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We know that this promised commandment is the inheritance of all saints of all times, and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students. Therefore, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out therefore using our mouth blessings upon the righteous and curses, his burning curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart? We are called to collaborate with it within our heart. That word that we have put into our heart so that we not sin, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus, by the body of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant, which symbolizes the resurrection of Christ, so that we can live for the one that died, and resurrected. The broken tablets is death, the new tablets is resurrection. This was a symbol that we need to understand what happened there on Sinai. This was a symbol, but the body in Christ. And so in the new tablets of the covenant, we make a covenant, we then confirm our salvation in order to give God the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. In other words, to Christ. Romans 4.13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13, the seed of Abraham was then the son of God, Jesus Christ, that came in the flesh. And so it says, not as his descendants, but as in one person, a whole one person. Further, we've noted that the righteousness of faith making us heirs of the peace of God is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of God and that person who represents a father that is sent to us by God. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that obey the order of God that function within the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy where God sends us 
Jesus' word using the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of warriors in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace, in the format of the inheritance of peace, that is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are the children of God, because the fruit of righteousness that is grown in our the Eden of our heart that reveals itself in the covenant of peace is called then to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving because all of this has already been placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving takes from our personal account that promise that we have thanked God for, that it is already there, it is within our heart, it is within our temple and in heaven. In these three places is that promise that we desire to receive. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. All of the promises, they shall come to pass by our thinking. Our tongue will confess what we think, what's in our mind. And what's in our mind is what is in our heart. Because the spiritual thoughts are those thoughts that are in Jesus Christ. But for this reason, we also need to be in Jesus Christ. The fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon the foreheads, our foreheads, serving us as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God. As he said, walk amongst the people and put a mark upon the forehead of those who honor me. And in another place it says, do not harm the earth, not the trees, or anything else until I put a seal upon, or my mark upon my children. And when it shall be, a, the mark will be upon the forehead of my, uh, of my people, then begin destroying everything starting from the temple. And they began with the elders. And don't uh, have any pity toward anyone, not pregnant pe- uh, women, not children, or anyone else, if they don't have the mark of God. And the seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual, serving as an atmosphere of life and peace and is the mind of Christ within our spirit. As it is written, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. You know, I will shortly uh, explain uh, the carnal mind. For example, I want to be healed in the body. This are these carnal? Is this the carnal mind or is this a spiritual mind? This can be a carnal mind, and it could be a spiritual mind. Carnal because I want to receive something from my flesh. I want to be free from illness. And the scriptures say that we have in Jesus Christ healing. But when my goal is just to heal myself, but not knowing God and not that I may fulfill my calling in adopting my body by the redemption of Christ, 
Why do I need it? I need it. I want to fulfill my calling. I want that my body be adopted by the redemption of Christ. And if a person does not pursue that goal, then yes, this will be a carnal mind. Because all spiritual gifts that are given, although they are spiritual, they by themselves are directed toward the body, toward the flesh, the body. And so when the stronghold of life Im- Uh, it'll be incorruption that will rise in our body, we will not need spiritual gifts anymore because they will will not have need for them. They are needed in in our time, but when a person in illness begins to meditate about the fact that on his account he does have healing and he prayed to God and gave him the ability by himself, God, to choose when this healing happens because there are more than 2,000 places of Scripture and they refer to healing, but they are not a sudden healing. They are as a therapy, therapeutic, and they are in serving one one the other. He heals us by the hands of doctors in other ways as well. Of course, uh, people of the uh, or fleshy Christians, they don't want to accept this. They just want a hand on the head, prayer, and I'm healed. He doesn't want doctors. They don't want a medicine. They don't want anything. This is, they forget that Apostle Paul had in his uh, team, in his group, uh, a famous doctor, and he treated Paul and others, and he gave them advice on what to do and how to do it. For some reason, God wanted it that way. Of course, there's an exception to the rule when God suddenly heals. But this is God's prerogative, His choice. And so that and the other are God's healing. Why? Because the Word of God works there and the other as well. Medicine is also something created from substances God made, not something the devil made. As we talked about, any medicine is... Uh, uh, something God created. The doctors, these men that, or men and women who have created these medicine, uh, the vaccines, or whatever it may be, uh, they are something God made, and they're made of what God created, substances God created. And so, put aside this foolishness of man and religious ideas that there's something satanic in them. There's nothing satanic in them. Any means that they use are those that God created but even then when there's these are God's means there will be uh, even if there's a poison say in there and you don't know it and you thank God not knowing there's say a poison in it and you take it and you pray to God and thank God then that poison won't affect you the poison won't affect you God experience I, I once uh, God did something uh, and there were I was in the army and the doctors and some of the others heard that if you drink poison you will not die according to scripture and they gave me a medicine that was actually deadly they prepared it and they prepared a group to save me they uh, they they gave me this medicine and started asking me questions and I was responding and I saw their faces were changing they after a certain amount of time began to be afraid of me and were very uh, they were asking me questions about God what will happen how it will happen and after a couple of days the main doctor called me in and asked me the question 
Can you tell me, is my wife cheating on me? And I, I asked him, why are you asking me such a question? Uh, can I? And he, and he said, I know yet you're more than just someone who knows the future. We tested something. We gave you a poison, but you didn't die. It didn't affect you at all, he said. We're in shock. Now we know that you're not just a regular man. Any witch or any other sorcerer may we give this to, he will die. But what you said, it does work. And when Apostle, uh, the Apostle uh, had cast something into the fire, they remember the serpent came out, and the serpent uh, came out and 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 bit him into the arm, and it was a poisonous serpent, and he should should have died. He pulled it off and threw it out. And those that were uh, living in that area became afraid. They saw this, and they saw he didn't die from the bite. He was supposed to. And he, 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 they didn't determine these were gods that came from heaven because they didn't die from the bites. <laughs> the word of God works. Do not tempt God and take poison. But if you are a child of God and you prayed and you thanked God, the thing is, when we receive medicine, how do you receive it? Who of you takes medicine and thanks God for it as a food? Rarely. But when you begin to take medicine, understanding that this is the second word of God, this is the means for your healing, you will thank God for that medicine that you take. Thank you, Lord, for this healing and take the medicine. If you drank something that wasn't supposed to be drank accidentally or someone changed it out, nothing will happen to you. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God do not have. These are the haters of, of Christ that have upon their forehead the seal or mark of the beast that have no relation to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace as the sons of peace, by the means of the peace of God, will inherit the eternal salvation that is in the kingdom of heaven. They keep the covenant of peace in their heart and no losses losses they experience will affect them. There are losses that God may uh, allow something to happen. You lose your job, you lose your car, you lose something. Don't be afraid. God is preparing something new to you. He'll open a new door for you. Keep Continue to keep that peace with God. Nothing has happened between you and God. A broken car, a job that's been lost, uh, this is not your relationship being broken with God. God is still with you and on your side. We need to understand well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to study the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and uh, this then identifies us as the sons of God and as His holy people because only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart are we able to examine ourselves that we truly are the sons of God as it is written <clears throat> blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 
We need to never forget that if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ has not died for his nation, that's die die for the law means to die for your nation for the house of your father and the life in the flesh then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee if he will not die for these three he will never convert into the his uh, guarantee will not convert into the format of the fruit of righteousness where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance of his peace. How are we clothed into the format of God's peace? When God speaks, we receive what he says, and we say, let it be according to your word, and we confess that. And as soon as we confess that with our mouth, God takes our words because they are already confessing his words that he spoke, and this word then he takes that we confess and clothes us into that and accounts this to us as righteousness. We are performing righteousness. Every time we hear the word of God, and we accept it into our hearts and we say, Lord, may be according to your word. I speak the word and you in your mind say, Lord, may be according to your word. And you will then confess that word and God will account this to you as righteousness. This is the fruit of your righteousness. Because in the beginning, there's the word, then the act. You can't do something for the Lord until you say this with your mouth. The mouth needs to go ahead and then the act needs to follow. He, God created everything with his word. He holds everything by his word. Value God's word. Never say uh, uh, negative things about yourself. And so people who did not obey their faith to God's faith, uh, the crown of righteousness that was prepared for them will be taken from them. That would have given them the right to the promise of God's peace where they would be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11 The crown of righteousness are our confessions. When we receive justification and we say, Lord, thank you that you have justified me. And as soon as I speak from my heart, these words from my heart, they become, become this crown on my head. He takes from these words and makes a crown of righteousness. But you need to keep it to the end, faithfulness to me. To the end, there's going to be great trials, but keep that crown of righteousness. It is connected to your heart. In your heart, there's righteousness that you confess, and that is why it's on your head. You confess the spiritual confessions. This is God's seal upon your forehead. As soon as you begin to listen to someone else or something else that is not in accordance to God's truth, then you will lose then the truth that was given to you by God. You think that it won't happen, but it does happen. The words words work. There are words that are li- uh, words of life and words of death. You yourself need to make the choice, the decision. What words you listen to? The words of death or words of life? Those who walk and and search the internet, listen to every all kinds of people, those who do these things, you are a fornicator before God. Jacob's, or James, James says, do you not know that uh, friendship with the world is against God? You take words that are against God or negative information, and if that's not enough, then you think that in your head that this is somehow a revelation that's from God. A revelation from God is when a person is anointed by the Holy Spirit and he gives you the pure pure word and gives you the interpretation of that word. Keep that in your heart. 
I understand. Sometimes you need to look in the internet to find out something about something that you need to understand, or doesn't mean you can't look on the internet. You can't seek the truth on the internet. You can't seek God's revelations on the internet. If you want to know what something uh, is made of or something else, of course you can do that and you'll find out that information or learn something that you need to learn. Be wise in what you look at. The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the form of the peace of God reveals itself in spiritual thinking, which are the which is the seal of God upon our foreheads. It is specifically the seal of God upon our foreheads that reveals itself in spiritual thinking that is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. This serves as a proper foundation for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son so that we can share with His Son the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. In a particular format, we looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stopped to study the seventh sign. This is the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. When we confess the commandments of God, we clothe ourselves into the love of God. When Peter said, Lord, I love you, but he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But Peter thought that love comes from feelings, and he was the, the feeling that he had, he called it heart. And that's all the apostles thought. They kept saying, Lord, I love you, and he kept telling him, if you love me, fulfill my commandments, follow my commandments. Fulfilling God's commandments, you love God. You clothe yourself into His love. But, but above all these things, put on love. How do you put it on? You confess God's con uh, commandments. You follow God's commandments. which Because this love is the bond of perfection. God's commandments, they are the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. And may let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This is a command. And so it depends on us whether the peace of God will rule in our heart or will it not. We have the commandment, we have the instruction that the peace of God rule in our hearts. And it can rule in our hearts upon the condition that the uh, that the information that we've understood abides in our hearts, that we've accepted abides in our heart. And we abide with, and then this uh, selective love is in our heart and we'll be clothed into its burning zeal. When we're not looking at our feelings, we then show one another God's love and God then clothes us into His love. Comprehending the holy and selective love of God with your heart is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can obtain the ability 
like God, to be vigilant over His words that we have concealed within our heart so that we can shine our sun, our sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and the unrighteous in accordance to the implemented within our heart law of God as a blessing for one and as a punishment for the other. In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached words spoken by the apostles and the prophets, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. This is that very blessing that God has concealed. He conceals it in his, in, in his treasury. And by the preached word, he begins to reveal it. It is the imperishable treasure, inheritance. These are the characteristics of God Himself. He passes on to us His natural characteristics by the seed of the Word. We've noted that in its essence, the love of God agape is a sovereign love that is unconditional, specifically in regards to those people that she has selected in her ability to foreknow and predestine according to her will. Because... The unconditional love, an unconditional love does not exist, as it were, without condition. God demands that we fulfill specific conditions, and then His love will be poured into our heart. But it is unconditional when it comes to those that God has already foreknown and predestined. He foreknew you. So... It is unconditional to you. Why? Because he knows that you will fulfill his word. Before he created the world, every one of us he saw that when we hear the truth, we will not turn away from it. Because for the most part, people, they don't depend on the truth or the word of God. They depend on their denominations and the teaching that they call baptism, Pentecostal, or whatever uh, Catholic uh, of the Catholic faith or any specific faith that they may follow. They don't follow from the teaching that would be above all of the denominations, all of these groups. Uh, it doesn't. The truth doesn't depend on that. I am not against the fact that there's. Uh, and so denominations is something that dominates you and makes you a servant or slave of that sect of that denomination that is not in accordance to God's teaching or Christ's teaching because baptism is being submerged into water. Pentecostals started calling Baptists uh, uh, those that were receiving baptism. One had it and one didn't. And so Baptists began to call them Pentecostals because the baptism of the Holy Spirit was with the Pentecost, if you remember, with the Feast of the Pentecost. And so from there, the names uh, Pentecost, Baptists, they didn't call themselves this. Others called them that. Baptists didn't call themselves Baptists. They were called Baptists because they were students of Christ that made a covenant with God in the baptism of water. And the baptism of water is baptism. And so they called them themselves after they start calling Baptists. And so we need to understand when Catholic calls themselves Catholic, they weren't called this. They didn't, or they didn't call themselves that. Others called them that. Apostles said that we may be comforted by our faith and the all, uh, the all, all faith that is for all, and that's the Catholic faith. And they started to call themselves Catholic as of the faith. 
when people began to glorify God correctly, they began to call to be called Orthodox. It wasn't Orthodox who called themselves Orthodox. Catholics called them Orthodox. And they then took on that name. And so the other, the one and the other then perverted their ways and started putting on idols, icons, and other things uh, that were not according to the truth that you can then come to a pope and he will give you a reg- registration and you can even go to a prostitute if you want. It's okay. You've paid for a ticket uh, of forgiveness uh, after you, so you already have it so you can sin. And so the poor couldn't buy these and uh, the rich could. Imagine the kind of things or belief they had. And so when they say, Pentecostal, Uh, I grew up in such a Pentecostal uh, denomination, I I repented, uh, it was actually the seventh days that I repented with, those of the seventh day, and then he began, that gentleman that was going with me then started going to the uh, Pentecost church, and I then started going with him there, I repented in the seventh day, but then and so then we went to the other. <clears throat> I just want to show that there where I was born in the Pentecostal church, they considered it that you are born from God because you speak in tongues. You are a child of God because you, and Baptists, Catholics, Orthodox said, these are just people that are uh, going to hell, uh, the, the Pentecostal. And when I, being a young man, saw that anyone believing Christ is born from God. And I accepted that very freely, and I came to one of the leaders uh, in that Pentecostal church, and I said, you say we're Pentecostals, we are born from God and the rest are not, because we speak in tongues. But here it says that anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is Lord is born from God, he did not even try to understand that or look at it. He just mocked me, as I said. He he looked at me and said, like a like a goat, like like a kind of like a goat sound. Like, why are you speaking foolish things? Is kind of what he wanted to show with that. Uh, he didn't offend me. I respected this man. He was the authority of the church, and it. He, I didn't get offended, uh, Adam. When I grew up, of course, I looked at this person uh, with a lot of sorrow, and he was degrading in a lot of things that he was doing later, unfortunately. And so in the Holy Scriptures, the power of the selective love of God that works within the atmosphere of brotherly love is known by the level of God's hatred toward evil and those who do evil. Why am I saying this? Because we had looked at the above uh, qualities and have been studying the quality of brotherly love, specifically this surprising characteristic. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 We know that evil which demonstrates itself in a person in his hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride, and good which demonstrates itself in a person in love, and brotherly love, are programs, and they are carriers of those programs. 
Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. Because evil and good are programs that cannot in any way be functional out of a human being. And you won't know what this evil is or what this good may be. You can't know it. The program needs to be put into something, a system where it will activate it. And that programmable system that is a human will show you then that program from what it's made or how it works. We were born with the program of evil. We are that programmable system. We were born with that program of evil. But when we were born from God, then we then uh, obtained a different program. And then in one body, in two different places of our body, there are two programs that are contrary one to the other. Program of evil that was passed on from the seed of our fathers and the program of good that we have received being born from the seed of the word of truth. And we make the choice, uh, the decision, what program to activate. Uh, People of the flesh are carnal men. They love the Lord, but they're infants. They either give preference to the one or the other. And they just uh, go back and forth. It's due to ignorance because they haven't been grown, because they're led by their feelings. And when they're led by their feelings, they're always uh, uh, giving consideration to the program of evil, thinking it's good, because he's basing everything on what he feels. At this time, the carnal person lives or works together with you in all things. He actually uh, encourages and uh, to pr- you to prayer, to singing, to service. He serves together with you and helps you because you are dependent on him and he understands that to uh, entice you to, so you not even think about the information from God, to depend on God's information and to depend on God's specific structure, God's order. And so in the body of Christ, in every specific church, there needs to be one person, not a council of brothers, the, uh, one that everyone needs to uh, look to that God puts or places, that will be then the one mind and one heart. This is a person sent by God that will have the seed of the word, that will have a revelation for, of the word, and that we need to uh, gladly listen to. And he will demonstrate God's fatherhood to us. He is the people aren't taught that they're taught uh, choose for yourself a person that can deceive you that one that you will like what they say all the time and so they don't choose one that is anointed by God who reveals uh, the fact that what you call spiritual is not spiritual they don't like these kinds of people and so they choose one that will deceive them and if that's not enough one that will then a person that will then obey the people rather than God the Lord tests the righteous but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates you see there's no tolerance here he loves the one and hates the other upon the wicked he will rain coals fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup for the Lord is righteous he loves righteousness his countenance beholds the upright that means his face his countenance falls in love with the righteous he's inspired by the righteous that's what that means Psalm 11 5 through 7 who are the wicked, these are not people of the world, these are people that were previously righteous and then became wicked. They became wicked because they began 
to uh, uh, do the role of God. Instead of doing their own role, they began to fulfill God's role. They become wicked in that, or the unclean. When a person begins to, or try to take the position of a person whom God has placed by uh, speaking negative things about him, and this is a wicked person because the devil being wicked, he was not wicked immediately. He was an angel. He was an archangel. But what did he think? He, he thought in his mind, I want God's place. This, he didn't think of any other sins. He just wanted God's position. He, he stole God's words and presented to the other angels, those that were subject to him, and he presented them as his own personal words or wisdom. He put in his treasury a lot of gold and silver. He was supposed to gather in his treasury, in God's treasury, these things. But he, instead of gathering into the treasury of God and present the angels for whom he carried responsibility, his heavenly father, he presented himself. As some preachers also did, they would come to the stage and take the revelations God revealed to me and present it as their own. And I told them, and when people ask them the question, they say, really, pastor said these things? I didn't hear this. For years I said the same things. And then the person comes out and says as if he received that revelation. Yes, they add something, they change something. And this is very dangerous. A person, this is what a wicked person is, so we understand what that is. Relevant to this, as in the previous components of of the virtue of God and His unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven components that we have listed above, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, discovering itself in the heart of a man, in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith. What purpose in demonstrating our faith is the love of God agape called to fulfill, coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith, in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love, and by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? In a specific format, we are already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate in our faith the love of God agape within the atmosphere of brotherly love? First condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to demonstrate salt as the fruit of holiness within our faith, which is why we have been uh, spending some time on the subject of salt because it is a very sacred, very important uh, discipline. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 These are the words of Christ that Apostle Matthew, Luke, and others have uh, passed on. According to the revelation of Scripture, the presence of salt, representing the quality of holiness, is formed in a man because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making God or making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification, specifically presenting your body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for 
for our good service, clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as a good and wise heart. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. You see, when we are clothed into salt or when we have it, then our prayer becomes an offering then we become an offering. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Mark 9, 49 and 50. In order to come to the altar, you needed to separate and sanctify. What is sanctification? It is separation of something that is pure, uh, from a group of some of, pu- of of something pure, and so although all of the sheep by nature were pure animals, the one that became holy is the one that was separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering. So she can be salted by the salt of the covenant. Because of this, we can conclude that if our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering, so it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we do not have the right then to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God, and consequently are not able to have the legitimate status to the right to enter into the presence of the Lord. If you can imagine how many people pray thinking that they approach God, especially if they pray, when they pray in tongues, I've met such people that are very ignorant that can pray for hours in tongues for hours for five six hours at a time and then fall into deception and begin to do supernatural signs and they think their work this is all correct this is the most dangerous thing because their mind is not working they're distracted they only speak in tongues and they their mind doesn't participate uh, in order to sanctify yourself your mind needs to participate I will pray apostle, the apostle says I will pray in spirit I will pray in my regular tongue I will uh, sing in the, reg- in, in the spirit I will sing in the regular tongue uh, your mind always needs to be present otherwise you will go somewhere different than you want these people can't pray they don't have words of prayer I need to take the words of prayer and my spirit, seeing that I took the words of prayer, he will confirm them in the in the language of tongues. That's what will happen. He will confirm when I will pray in accordance to the word of God, according to God's will. Holiness is the state of our heart, which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by acts, drawing upon us God's favor. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12.14. The attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction. We need to know this, and I repeat this specifically so we remember it so that it be cut out in our hearts very clearly carved in our heart demonstrating the fruit of holiness in prayer or therefore the quality of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God 
which we demonstrate to God as evidence that we are holy, because in essence only those that are holy are able to demonstrate the interests of the holiness of their God by completing their sanctification, pursuing the goal of dedication in order to serve God. That is, so that you can be salted, placed upon the altar. I will remind us of the word holy when it comes to man that is born from a holy God. Holy is born from God, born for God, coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, entering the lot of God, sharing the power of authority with God, and so forth. You see how we're born, what potential we're born with. This potential we are born with. When a child is born in the family of a king, he is born with the potential of being a king in his future. Everything the father has will become his, but he will only receive it when he will become as his father. He will grow up because he has a program of his father, genetics of his father. He needs to be disciplined. He needs to be watched after. And when he becomes as his father, he grows up. Then... <clears throat> the father will share his uh, royal authority and his wealth with him. That's how God behaves also. Yes, we were born holy from a holy God, righteous because he is righteous. We receive justification in our birth freely and we confess that and God accounts this to us as the fruit of righteousness. And now we need to grow into the full measure of growth. And when we grow into the full measure of growth, then we receive the ability to come out of infancy and no longer <clears throat> stumble. What is a child? What is an infant in Christ? He is stumbling constantly and attracted by various winds of doctrine. And so this depends on the person. They depend on one and the other people. If they listen to many different people, they take little bits and parts from each one. One of the charismatic leaders uh, was saying, I take some from many different sources. I also take from uh, from, from Arkady and Ladeev and other people. Well, you can't take from Ladeev and from me because Ladeev is a worshiper of Satan uh, and I'm a worshiper of God. So very different poles here. Uh, two, two ends of the spectrum here and you're taking from both sources and trying to preach your own. He's a hooligan who tries to pervert the truth. He doesn't know he's a worshiper of the devil, but he is. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that he can uh, show us his favor bow down your heavens O Lord and come down touch the mountains and they shall smoke flash forth lightning and scatter them shoot out your arrows and destroy them stretch out your hand from above rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood I will sing a new song to you O God on a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you the one who gives salvation to kings who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword, Psalm 144, 5 through 10. We more than once have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song is called to bow down 
the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God, the place from which His love is poured out. As in scripture, the phrase to bow down the heavens when it comes to the relationship of God with man means to incline, God, God will incline his ear to the prayer of a man. Listen, he will listen attentively to a prayer of a person. He will turn his eyes for good for the praying because this person is praying or to the prayer of this person. As it says, I will sing to him with a harp of ten strings. This is the salt. And when he says a new song, that means he's made a covenant in the new tablets of the covenant. He will become a stronghold or a place of refuge for a warrior in prayer. He will become a covering for a praying person. He will occupy a circle of de defense around a warrior in prayer. And he, make, he will make the enemies of a warrior in prayer flee and strike the enemies of him. In order to give God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that He can pour out His love into our heart, it is necessary to present to God arguments of your origin in demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love. Because holiness is the demonstration of the fruit of righteousness that is brought by a holy person or a person that is born from God. <clears throat> but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life Romans 6.22 according to this place of scripture we can conclude that until a person is freed from sin by casting off the old man he cannot become a servant of God so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness to demonstrate the salt of holiness it is necessary to be first born from, the li from listening to the imperishable seed of the word of God Therefore, you can only be holy in your origins. To comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God, it is necessary first to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself? What is it? And how is the characteristic of the love of God in holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in our relationship with God and with each other? What price do we need to pay to, in order to demonstrate the love of God in holiness, in order to collaborate with the holiness of God? And by what signs are we to examine ourselves that we have the presence of of salt within ourselves indicating holiness specifically the demonstration of the qualities of holiness identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give God the proper foundation he needs to pour out his love into our heart and be a legit field in the relationship of God and with other men in a specific format we already studied the first two questions and have and will immediately pay our attention now to the third question what price do we need to pay in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness, which is the foundation and atmosphere to collaborate with the holiness of God, identifying the love of God? Demonstrating the salt of holiness is the purpose and calling of a holy person. For the right to fulfill this role, it is necessary to pay the appropriate price, demonstrated in the fulfillment of the conditions of the holy law, holy commandments, holy instructions, and holy statutes. As holiness is the legitimate field for all forms and levels of a relationship between God and man and man with God, we can conclude that the price for the right to demonstrate holiness will have many meanings, will be multifaceted, and will be multifunctional. Second, the price for the right to perform holiness in demonstrating the love of God coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love consists in the obedience of our faith 
to the face of God. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, this is the obedience of our faith to God's faith, because you did not uh, obey me, you did not uh, believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not br- I shall not bring you, or will not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. Numbers 20, 12. You did not listen. For the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. Numbers 27, 14. And so some people didn't fully understand what happened to these men. How does that these men couldn't believe God in that moment, didn't obey God in that moment? How is that possible? We are obedient when we trust, then we obey. But why did Moses not trust? Because he came too close to the people that were disobedient. The camp that he had were people that did not trust God uh, closely and he could not be in contact with them closely being closer to them he thought that they will receive what he has but instead he lost what he had and they did not receive what he had you need to have always a specific distance people that have the status of Moses and Aaron. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about all of us individually. All of us are a king, priest, and a prophet. And you need to understand that if you begin to become friends with people that are carnal, it's different that you are understanding and, and just get do good things for them, but being friends and you will then be stooped to their level. You will speak what they say, you will do what they do, you will clothe yourself as they clothe themselves and behave as they behave. And so you need to be friends with the wise and not the unwise. Do not be friends with the foolish who think that they're wise. According to the given verdict or the court ruling in this case that has been determined by God given to Moses and Aaron, we can conclude that strict obedience to God's words, which are the faith of God, is demonstration or demonstrating and expressing God's holiness or the holiness of God, magnifying the truth of the word of God above all of the names of God. We've already noted that the reason for the uprise of unbelief in Moses and Aaron to the words of God was their fellowship or communication with the disobedient, which the scriptures describe as evil company. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 We grow upon the same field, but the wheat should be speaking with the wheat, not with the weeds. The weeds let them go together and go vacation together if they want. But don't go with weeds to vac- on, a, on vacation or to, to maybe go out anywhere with these people. However much we choose to lie to ourselves that relationships with people that left their church because they resisted the truth, which they have replaced with their own personal tolerance for evil company, calling them children of God, 
Having a relationship with such people will corrupt our good habits. When the time comes for us to demonstrate holiness in obeying the truth of the preached to us word, we will no longer be confident that the preached to us word is the truth, so that the soil of our heart be capable of receiving the commanding seed of truth. It is necessary by the cross of the Lord Jesus to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the corrupt desires of your soul, so that that is clothed into our own personal pseudo-righteousness. Second, the price for the right to perform holiness in demonstrating the love of God that comes from the atmosphere of brotherly love consists in obeying the words of the person that is placed over us by God. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8. The reason for why the category of men of the flesh are not able to link their disobedience to the person that represents the delegated fatherhood of God with uncleanness, why are they not able to link these two? The, when they're disobedient, why don't they see this as as why don't they see this as uncleanness? It's because they have allowed the wise abilities of their soul to shave the hair that is on the head of their sacred person, just as Samson did in his time allowing Delilah to shave the locks of his head. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. Number 6.5. We are Nazarites continuously. If a regular Israelite dedicated himself as a Nazarite to the Lord for a specific period of time, then the prophets of the Most High were Nazarites all the days of their life. To have the... In other words, they, the hair that grew, grew, they allowed, the Nazarite allowed his hair to grow out. Uh, the Israelites uh, did cut their hair, but the prophets, the Nazarites, did, they did not uh, cut them. They were braided into seven braids. To have the spirit of prophecy within yourself, identifying the status of us being Nazarites shown in our locks, that is a, upon the head of our sacred person, means have in your heart a revelation about the person that God has placed over us and obey the words of this person. And this is possible only upon the condition that within our heart we have the Thummim as the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and the Urim as the Holy Spirit that reveals the mystery of the truth of the Thummim that is within our heart by the preached word of the person that is empowered as a father from God. Hair or locks upon the head of the sacred person is not only symbol not only symbolizes his obedience to the word of the person that represents a father from God, but also symbolizes his priesthood in the temple of his body, demonstrated in his headpieces, in headpieces or turbans that were made for Aaron and his sons for glory and beauty. Turbans made of linen were necessary for entering into the presence of the Lord. Linen was produced from flax. If one did not have his headpiece made of linen when entering God's presence, he was immediately uh, put to death, or the immediate it was immediate death for that person. The turban made of linen was part of the holy garments. Considering this fact, it was impossible to bring it out of the temple and wear it in your every day. The daughters of Israel, just as all other regular Israelites, did not have the right to wear such a form of covering. 
And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you, and they did according to the word of Moses. Then the Lord spoke to, Mo to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with, with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. This was an eternal statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. This is Leviticus 10, 6 through 11. The daughters of Israel within our essence is the good soil of our heart, capable of receiving and growing the seed of the preached to us word. The sons of Israel able to sow the seed of the word into the soil of our heart are the words of our mouth, confessing the faith of God in the form of the Thummim and Urim. Specifically from our mouth come words, the confession of the faith of God that is within our heart. Therefore, all of us, without exception of our social class and belonging to a specific gender, are called are called the sons of God, that are called to confess the faith of God that abides in their heart. For you, you are all sons of God, all meaning without exception through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When the Word of God talks about the, pr the purpose of the function of the female and the male within our essence, which consists in headpieces made of linen, then Scripture elevates the purpose of these functions into the rank of commandments that only belong to prophets or spiritual persons. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that is reached? to you that it only was reached. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual person, let him acknowledge that the things which I wrote to you are the commandments of the Lord, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. 1 Corinthians 14, 34-38. And so he's saying that these are spiritual things and the wife is not to speak, or the woman. Is it from you that it came, the truth? If, if the truth, the confession comes, who can confess this word, the word of faith, he is already a man, or fulfilling that function of a man. This is spiritual things that he's talking about. If this would have been physical, applying to men or women, uh, how will the wife ask a husband if he is not Christian, what is she to do spiritually? It says, ask your husbands at home. How can a Christian wife then learn from an unchristian husband? I've asked such questions, and they would get confused and tell me, don't speak things that are foolish. Uh, I'm not speaking things that are foolish. It's It says here, so what do we do? The sister doesn't have a, a Christian husband. What is she supposed to do? And it can't be explained because it's a spiritual thing, because our husband is our renewed mind. And when we speak with our mouth, this is our husband, our renewed mind.
and then our soul learns let it be silent let our spirit pass on the truth and not our soul not our mind that is carnal but our blessed by God mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind and it is not important then if you are a man or a woman uh, if you're male or female you confess the word it comes out of your mouth then you are a man and you fulfill the function of a man or a male if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual person says the, the concluding phrase of the given command if anyone thinks of himself to be a prophet or spiritual let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord this speaks of the fact that receiving the essence of this commandment in literal form or directly as is shown is to pervert the essence of the given commandment they're the price for the right to perform holiness in demonstrating the, the love of God which comes from the atmosphere of brotherly love consists in us abstaining from sexual immorality for this is the will of God your sanctification that you would abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know and this it requires a price so that you may have salt in yourself that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God the verb abstain means to withhold yourself distance yourself refuse save yourself by fleeing not think about not look at reject not notice and in other places say run from sin as from the face of a serpent if you see that your lust uh, you, you see that it's a, a beginning to rise to begin to begins to burn uh, for a another person uh, try to distance yourself from such a person and not communicate with them much because your lust begins to increase in your in you and you will lose then control of yourself and think only about that and so not to notice and to run from according to the given active definitions that are consisting in the word abstain we conclude that although our spirit was born from the seed of the word of truth and so when we're talking about sexual immorality we're talking also about wine because wine uh, provokes this and uh, provokes it in your life and so it is included in this we conclude that although our spirit was born from the seed of the word of truth there is a corruption that continues to live within our body in the corrupt desires of sexual immorality that has been passed on to us by the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh as it is written therefore put to death your members which are on the earth it says put to death not bind them or rebuke them as Satan it says therefore put to death because this is not Satan these are your members which are on the earth fornication uncleanness passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them Colossians 3 5 through 7 relevant to these commandments that are linked to our sanctification I will bring forth ten reasons although there are more of them why a person although he is sanctifying himself is not able to abstain from sexual immorality that lives within his body in the form of the old person that carries the program of the fallen cherubim why is he sanctifying himself but is not able to keep himself from sexual immorality because he is sanctifying himself incorrectly he's doing something wrong first reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality consists in the fact that there 
This is not the spirit of immorality that we are to drive out as they drive out demons, but rather this is our earthly essence that we are called to put to death by the means of collaborating our cross with the cross of the truth of the cross of Christ. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life, that's we resurrect from the dead. For we, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, died dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Count that you don't have this lust, although it may be in you, but you count yourself dead to it, dead to it, uh, to this sin, to this lust. It says, Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, you can uh, consider yourself dead to sin, and you confess this. Romans 6, 4 through 14. Don't go to places that where your lusts will will increase, will burn greater. Uh, you say, thank you, Lord, that I have died for this sin. I've died for this for this uh, that's in me and when you say you died for it the Holy Spirit takes these words and gives you power and you will overcome that problem second reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because he has legalized the drinking of alcohol and you do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit Ephesians 5.18 I shall remind us that many people that drink alcoholic beverages, it doesn't matter how much they drink of it. They always have some, there's always, they'll always have some kind of uh, perverse questions they will ask. They will not agree with the truth. They will always find reasons to not agree, reasons to avoid uh, communication with me. They will look for reasons. And finally, they'll find a reason so that they can leave the church because it's not possible to be in the church for a long time and continue to drink alcohol. Third reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality consists in us being in the wrong place at the wrong time for where we are supposed to be. We are not uh, coming to service when we're supposed to. We don't go to cell groups when they are happening. We often avoid services for making excuses that aren't really excuses. We find those reasons. This is why this happens. 
It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed <coughs> and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, It is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she w- was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. Second Samuel 11, 1-4. You see... If he would have, if if this would have happened uh, when the kings were not going out to war, he would not have had this desire in him. But he was supposed to go out, but he didn't go out. Just as we need to go, we don't go, and then something happens. Fourth reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality consists in the fact that his sanctification is not in accordance to the demands of Scripture. Therefore, his eye is not clean. If you have heard that it has been said from the times of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He... Uh, you try to sanctify yourself, but your eye is unclean is because you incorrectly are sanctifying yourself. Why is his eye unclean? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6, 19-24 you see it turns out that our eye becomes dark when we think that uh, godliness is a, for a means of gain when your in situation where you think that God wants you to be wealthy and you think about that you, God wants me to be rich God wants me to be rich God wants you to be rich in faith but when a person is attracted by wealth then the light that's in him will be darkness. It is just as we said, God created the light. He said, let there be light. But this light was darkness and the earth was without form. He created the light, but the earth wasn't existing. It was still in minerals of water. The earth didn't exist. But when God created the earth and he created the the trees and the, and the grass, he then finally created the big lights and the smaller lights. And after that was it, then the light that uh, controlled the earth. Fifth reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because he continues to have friendships with the world and desires for the world. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendships with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
James 4, 4 through 7. What is the world? Why do people love the world? What is the world? Don't love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 1 John 2:15 through 17. The world is implemented into the church today. Uh, they even teach in the church how you are to have sex to satisfy one another. If you can imagine what the churches, uh, so-called churches, uh, have come to today, false charismatic churches, a person who has as true spiritual gifts, because charisma is uh, the true practice of spiritual gifts, they take upon themselves responsibilities that they shouldn't be. And then things like this happen. Six, the reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is that he does not make sure to keep God in his mind in order to provide God the foundation he needs so that he can place the seal of righteousness upon your forehead. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they did not try to discipline their mind God gave them over to debased mind to do things, those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. See what kind of list it has here. Only because they don't meditate about the things of the Spirit. This is why this happens. Who know the righteous judgments of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice these. Romans 1, 28-32. Seventh, the reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because the treasury of his heart is not good. He has not cleansed his heart, his conscience from dead works, to serve the living and true God. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12:34-37. If the heart is not cleansed from dead works, a person cannot accept the word of God in his heart. Uh, he'll say, let, let it be according to your word, but he won't truly accept it. You first need to die by the cross of the Lord Jesus for your nation, the house of your father, and for your flesh. Then, when you will say, may be according to your word, then this good seed will fall into the good soil. And so your soil is not good, it won't fall in. When you begin then to sanctify yourself and say what is not in your heart, then you condemn yourself because you speak idle words. Eighth reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because his heart is not given to his father and his eyes do not observe God's ways. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. 
She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithfulness of men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without case? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Proverbs 23, 26 through 35. This place is... You see where a person gives himself to a harlot, and a harlot has the ability to mix her wine. They take places of scripture. The harlot takes, holds the golden goblet, that is the Bible, and she perverses the truth. They, 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 they mix it. They say, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. It's not written that it's okay, but they say that there is a spiritual form of drinking, and those... They're always looking for uh, this. These are false charismatic services, churches. This is where all of this prospers. They always are trying to move people over to themselves. I would not want anyone from anywhere. I would only want people whom the Lord has opened their heart and they desire to want the truth and want to pay the price for that truth. You don't need to call them. I want that tree to be planted by the Father and not just like that. For them, they just want numbers. And when they listen then to this foreign woman, they don't listen to the Father. They listen to this harlot. They stop being able to see, hear, or understand. They begin to drink this mixed wine. It's not talking about physical wine. It's talking about what they're mixing. And then they don't uh, see it. Ninth reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because he has not made a covenant with his eyes to not think of the young woman. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Job 31.1 Pay attention. Our eyes are tightly linked to our image thinking that identifies the true, true state of our heart that is our sacred person. A covenant is an agreement or a pact between two sides where each of the sides takes responsibility to fulfill specific conditions. Therefore, when Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes, this means the agreement of our heart, that is, our sacred person with our soul, which we have lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and have reobtained it in his resurrection. When our soul died in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we... It, it, when it dies, then it will not think about the young woman in any way because... A dead person doesn't think about sin, not about wine or women or men or anything else. Tenth reason why a person in his sanctification is not able to abstain from sexual immorality is because he does not comprehend the essence of true and complete sanctification that pursues the anointed goal of true and total dedication. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, you shall put in the ark of the testimony and 
partition off the ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. You shall bring in the lampstand, lampstand and light its lamps. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screens for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And now, when all of this is, you shall set up the court all around and shall take the anointed oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And so, and you shall hallow it and all its utensils and it shall be holy. And so, we see here anointing comes first or the anoint oil. So, you won't experience anointing in the death of Jesus Christ. When you're submerged into his death, you will experience the anointing in the resurrection. It's not possible and you're separating yourself from sin and you're dying. And when all this has happened and you have present to, presented yourself to God, you've sanctified yourself, you've totally sanctified yourself, and now you've become pure. And then it, he says, uh, anoint everything and shall take the anointed oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all of its utensils. And so these are our goals. Our goals will be God's will to uh, redeem our body by the redemption of Christ. And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all the utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy. You shall uh, anoint the labor in its base and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as the anointing, anointed as you anointed their father, that they may minister to me as priests, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. And so only the anointing will dedicate a person to priest. Exodus 40, 1 through 15. And so I uh, took a little bit longer today and I ask forgiveness for that. I just wanted to get through these as well. Uh, I think you will forgive me on that. Let us bend our knees and pray and may the Lord bless us. I ask everybody that if the word has uh, somehow affected them, that you see fault in some way, I want you to come to the altar to repent, to make the soil of their heart good, wise, in order to be freed from reigning sin in their bodies to be freed from the fear of illness as well. Amen. Let us pray. I will ask you to pray my uh, uh, our prayer, one prayer together, and ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. Your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Your hands are lifted to God, a sign that they are without wrath or doubt. And now pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. I want to cleanse it from all dead works by the truth of the blood. I thank you that I have received this truth and I accept my purification from sin 
from my lusts, freedom from all other things that may be controlling me. I desire one thing, that your word be implanted into me and govern in me. I want your word. I love it and I open up my heart for your word and for the Holy Spirit. Enter in and be Lord and Master of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, may it be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. God has cast your sins into hell. He has freed you from sin. He has broken the shackles of corruption and sin. Count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and you will see that this concept, this discipline, works. Together let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.